We become poets in an attempt to tether words to righteousness, our notebooks to social consciousness. Sitting cross-legged and anxious in wing-back chairs, we sip lattes to news of regimes, firing American-made artillery into crowds of folk, their bodies pickled by the sun, they line streets in countries we never think about, and we suck our teeth and ask a thesaurus to become a machete, and as romantic as pacifism is, these days, I dream of dictators falling headfirst into karma and forget to be afraid if I could write this shit in fire I would write this shit in fire this ain't poetry rage unmuted a verb a means an end this is my body this is Sankofa Rwanda Ethiopia Zimbabwe Southside Chicago Compton California Red Hook projects in Jersey Roosevelt projects in Brooklyn this is severed hands and clubs against flesh black boots to pregnant bellies sterilizations masks as inoculations leg irons and chains the bit and the noose this is a war cry tell massa i coming back carrying fire in my knapsack tell him i'm patrice lamumba stephen Biko, franny luhama tell him they have been born again in me tell him i found my mother tongue buried under the rubble of the world trade center tell him this shit ain't no poem this is me running naked from sugarcane and cotton fields having dropped my croaker sack tell him he can call me I am refleshing the bones, a witch, a root worker, a sorceress, a priestess, a gangster. Tell him this is the result of segregation. Tell him this is the result of integration. Tell him I've never been invisible. Tell him he has never been invincible. Tell him I am melting the barbed wire and steel bars of prison yards. They gonna flow over him like lava. I am returned. I am bloodthirsty. I am fangs and hooks and swollen feet and welfare lines the gauntlet thrown down lines drawn in the sand i am apocryphal historical deletions gathering themselves up and into textbooks i am the niece of exploitation on a rice and pancake box come to collect the royalties for ancient mama and uncle ben i am the line of smoke a rain dance the tomahawk used to kill the first invader i am a passbook in south africa a whites only sign on a courthouse door in mississippi the streets of benghazi Pocked in prayer beads and shell casings, the juxtaposition of faith and savagery. Tell him I am African wide hips and American bulimia. Peace symbols affixed onto assault rifles. It is the deepest kind of contradiction. If I could write this shit in fire, I would write this shit in fire. Tell Massa I coming back. How in the wind I coming back. Burr in your heel, I coming back, Massa. I coming back, Massa. I coming back, Massa. I coming. Back. Damn. Damn. Listen, we could really just stop there. That could really just be the entire episode because honestly, what more is there to say after that? That was Dominique Christina of Sister Outsider Poetry. She's part of a duo. And that was her poem. She told us it wasn't no poem. It was really the gospel, honestly, but it's called Karma. And hearing it is not enough. You have to see this woman. The first time I ever heard this poem, I was in college and these ladies came and shared their poetry with us. And I jumped out of my seat because I just felt her so much. Honestly, that poem is so powerful. 
I feel like that poem is the epitome of what it means to be enraged, to be furious. It's all of our anger personified, our collective anger. Um, that's the why. Everything that she just talked about, that's that's why it matters, honestly. I, I don't even know how to move on from that, honestly. Damn. Just damn. There are so many reasons to be angry. This week I watched the midterm election results come in. We're still waiting for things to finish up over the course of the last few weeks, the past few months. I've been watching political debates. I've watched people shirk responsibility, not be accountable to the people, not take responsibility for the shit that they have done wrong, try to distract us, and all of it just makes me so angry. So it's really fitting that our book this week was Eloquent Rage, A Black Feminist Discovers Her Superpower, and the author is Brittany Cooper. So let's get it in, get into Hate It or Love It this week. We're going to jump into the episode. Welcome. Thanks for listening. I did not enjoy reading this book, not because it wasn't good. It was mostly good, but it was also really, really frustrating because racism still, still. And people love to say, y'all are still mad. Yes, we are still mad. For as long as y'all are still racist, still finding new ways to terrorize us. So our book this week kind of helped us work through all of that, um, sort of. Um, but in this book, Brittany Cooper is grappling with the things that we all struggle with. Um, and I really wanted so much from this book. I think I wanted too much from this book. And I think that she would tell me from one Britney to another girl, bye. Lower your expectations because one person cannot take us into the future. We have to build our way there together. Um, so one thing, a few things that she did in this book was was really just discuss the why of why black people have had to be so conscious and so sensitive to the attitudes, the beliefs and behaviors of white America and society at large. What I wanted was for her to just say, fuck them and talk about us and the way forward. With all the shit that we have been through, I thought that she was going to give me livid. I wanted her raged to just jump out the book and slap me across the face um and she was definitely fed up she was definitely sick and tired of being sick and tired in the way that we all are but I didn't feel like it ever quite got to the point of rage it wasn't hot sauce it was like a spicy spicy mild sauce um but I wanted irate furious and then at some point I adjusted my expectations and try to accept the book for what it was. So 
here are my thoughts. I I honestly was defensive for a lot of the book. Um, I found myself editing the things that she would say so that they would conform to my understanding and my experiences. Um, I don't know if that's fair, but that that's just the reality of what I was doing. I was trying it on and trying to make it work for me. Um, and the author went back and forth a lot. She talked about what was true for her personally and what is true for many black people politically. But sometimes I didn't feel that she always separated the two. I feel like in spite of the commonalities that many black people share in terms of our political histories in this country, we have internalized this history in different ways and made different meaning of it. So I felt like there were a lot of elements from her personal perspective that she kind of loosely applied to black people and black women more generally. And it didn't resonate with me all the time, personally. Um, so one thing that she says, this is a direct quote from the book. I learned in my early childhood to understand and negotiate the complex humanity of white women even before I learned to negotiate my own. She goes on to say, before we fully learn to love ourselves, all people of color in the United States learn we are supporting characters and spectators in the collective story of white people's lives. So I'm reading this and I'm like, I do see that there is absolutely a lack of proper representation, but that takeaway that she has is not everybody's takeaway. Um, she goes on to say, this is a quote, the stories we watch and read ask us to put aside their whiteness and relate to their very universal human struggles around conflict in the world, the self and others. The problem is that only the experiences of white people are treated as universal. Meanwhile, black movies, shows, and books are typically seen as limited and particular. This I agree with. And it was frustrating because I would edit one sentence to make it fit my understanding of things and then in the very next breath, she would set me straight. And this woman has some really compelling rebuttals for every protest I formed against her arguments. And disagreeing with a person who makes a lot of goddamn sense makes you an asshole. So I was really trying not to be an asshole throughout this book. I feel like overall she was on point with a lot of the things that she's talking about. Because the consequence of not seeing ourselves reflected fully and a lot of times positively in the media is absolutely a distorted worldview. And a distorted understanding of who we are, especially when somebody else is telling the story. I don't think that it's other people's job to tell our stories. I think that's why it's so important that we tell our own stories in our own words. Um, so one of the things that I learned from reading this book is just that there, there are a lot of different versions of distortion. It doesn't just look like one thing. It doesn't just look like insecurity and not knowing yourself and who you are. It doesn't always look like comparing yourself to what everybody else has going on. Um, but I think for me, I thought she was going to talk about the version where we're, we're mad as hell and we're so mad that we do something about all the problems that we have. We are so familiar with all the shit that has gone wrong. There are so many things, too many things. Um, yeah, man. I just feel like there, there, there are terrible things happening in the world. We all know that. But 
there are some people who have gotten so angry because things have gotten so bad that they said, you know what? I got something for y'all ass. I'm going to do it. I'm going to write us into existence. I'm going to do what I need to do for myself and for my brothers and my sisters because y'all ain't getting it right. And they snatch the reins and take control. I just have to disagree and say that we are absolutely not the supporting characters or props that we are made to be in a lot of the media. And um, I think the author didn't express anger in the ways that I anticipated, but she definitely did make some really provocative arguments. Um, so one thing that she says is problematic, and I agree with her, is this celebration of the resilience of poor people. You know how people are like, oh my gosh, those little children, you you just got through so much. You just, I can't believe you made it and you're speaking proper English. This is amazing. I'm so impressed. And one of the things that Brittany Cooper says is like, that that's perverse to acknowledge that poor people are resilient, we're strong, but then not acknowledge the unreasonable demands she says the unreasonable demands placed upon people who are already struggling to make it i totally agree and in current events a perfect example is we see what the hell's going on down in georgia with stacy abrams and kemp and people are like wow she's hanging in there i'm impressed instead of saying this is voter suppression that's what's happening and here are the ways that we need to right those wrongs. You know what I'm saying? Not quite the same, but but a similar parallel where it's like, yeah, we are we're gonna focus on flipping the problem to look better or celebrating a person who overcame a large challenge instead of addressing the issue itself. Like, yeah, girl. She was on point with that. On black men, she says, in every part of their lives. Not just black men. Um, I'm saying black men. On men, she says, in every part of their lives, young men need access to conversations about what it means to be a man in ways that are not rooted in power, dominance, and violence. And she makes some really good parallels between love and abuse at the national and local levels. And she compares like the all-American patriarch to the black father or lover in the household and sometimes the havoc that our men can wreak on us as a result of being inadequate in one way or another as far as the world is concerned and kind of terrorizing and taking, taking, taking. Um, so I thought that was a really interesting argument that she made. Um, overall, though, I think the biggest thing that I wanted was more of a focus on agency um i feel like instead of talking about the ways that we have been victimized and like i said i think i've already said it like three four times we've been victimized in so many ways but i wanted her to call out the abusers instead of naming herself victim i wanted her to call a mofo a, an abuser because I feel like self-advocacy and defense doesn't look like only assessing your wounds and talking about the ways that people have hurt you. We have to fight back. We have to talk back. And we have to write and create ourselves and insert ourselves in our voices and our bodies into the narrative so that young people 
who are watching us can see themselves reflected back in the way that Brittany talked about she didn't when she was younger. Um, I don't know how to really explain this well, but I, I just feel like from reading the book, I could tell that she's acutely aware of the ways that we have been victimized. Like, I mean, it, it's hard not to be. And I think she explains those things really well, but the lingering is what kind of bugged me because I just, it's not who we, we are, not victims. That's not who we are. Not, that's not it. There's so much more to the story of us. And I, I just wanted to focus on the work that is being done because we did get mad and we did spring to action. And I wanted to amplify those voices and those efforts. Um, here, I, I'm, I'm talking about all my disappointments. Here's what I loved. Number one, she positions rage as a superpower. She says, when focused and precise, it can be really effective. I totally agree. I totally agree. One of the things she does really well is also distinguish power and empowerment. She says that empowerment concerns the individual and power is of social and material consequence. That's powerful. She goes, quit settling for one when we really need the other. And I'm like, girl, yes. Yes. Because it's so true. And I feel like there's no better example of power and empowerment kind of aligning than in the creative space. Um, I feel like where we aren't seen and heard, we can we can create something out of nothing as far as writing goes and poetry and music and song and all the things that we really do exceptionally well as people of color. She also talks about respectability politics as rage management. And I wanted her to run away with this. I wanted her to run away with this point in particular. Here's a quote that I loved. I'm going to cut it short because at the end of the quote, she goes to a different place. But this is, this is, this is the powerful piece that I want to focus on right now. She says, because respectability is a rage management project, those invested in black respectability are often deeply uncomfortable with black rage. Respectability tells us that staying alive matters more than protecting one's dignity. Black rage says that living without dignity is no life at all. This rage is dangerous because it can't be reasoned with can't be forced to accept the daily indignities of racism and more than likely will fight back rather than fleeing or submitting. True. Yes. Yes. I just love this quote. What else I love? She talks about the importance of cursing, self-expression. You got to get stuff out of your system. You have to say the things that are on your mind. And she also talks about the importance of accountability and what she calls the homegirl him up, which I love. We all need people in our lives who get us together. We ain't always right. And when we're wrong, we need for people to tell us and, and, and set us straight so that we can do better. Another of my favorite quotes from her is, every kind of black woman has fought for our right to be true. Hold up. I didn't write this down right because this is not what she said. Let me see. Okay. Every kind of black woman has fought for our right to travel in pursuit of dreams and destiny. One way to start shedding the baggage is to start telling our truths. To start telling our truths, to start opening the bags and exposing the bags and the lies that weighs us, 
wait, what? That don't make sense. I should have read this. I should have proofread this or taken it directly from the book. Every kind of black woman has fought for our right to travel in pursuit of dreams and destiny. One way to start shedding that baggage is to start telling our truths, to start opening the bags and exposing the lies that weigh us down. The weight of the nation is not ours to carry. Okay, that, that's my final answer. That's the quote. <laughs> um, she's right. It's not. It's not our job to have somebody create a problem for us and then have to be the ones to solve the problem that they created. No. I'm not doing it. No. You fix it. You broke it. You fix it. That's what we need to start telling folks. We getting us together. We got to take on the project of, of self-love, self-acceptance, building ourselves up, building our communities up. What you broke, you fix. In the interim, get up, get out of our way. Get your foot off of our neck. Let us do what we need to do for ourselves because we cannot be bothered with with whatever it is that you need or feel like we owe you. We don't owe you nothing. No. I want to say something. I want to move on and say something about the author's voice. Um, I feel like she polices her feelings in a lot of ways. She, she talks about self-suppression, um, but at the same time being attuned to everybody else's feelings. And um, I just felt like it was really problematic. And I, I think that there have been, I know, there have been a lot of times where I have done the same. And I want to say to myself and anybody else who does this, stop filtering and translating so that people who don't care, they don't give a crap about what you believe, what you value, and whether you'll live will understand where you're coming from. It doesn't matter what they think. It only matters what you think of yourself. People don't have to like you. They don't have to love you. Not even your mama or your brothers owe you anything. They don't owe you anything. So strangers damn sure don't have to give you validation or love or any of the other things that you seek. The only thing that people have to do is respect you. That's it. That's it. And when people wrong you, you need to, it is your responsibility to advocate for yourself and stand up to these people and tell them when they got you messed up. And that they need to get it together. She's sh Brittany shares this anecdote about Beyonce. Um, and I missed this. I didn't even know this happened. But apparently there was a feminist fallout from when Beyonce came out with the Flawless song. So I'm going to call it the Beyonce Bow Down Bitch Bonanza. Because people were mad that Beyonce told bitches to bow down. I feel like those people who are mad can stay mad because more of us need to tell bitches to bow down. I feel like people maybe, again, I missed it. So maybe this is not the full story of what their issues were. I think people get caught up on Beyonce being Beyonce and we like have her on this pedestal and think of her as being this like larger than life person. But at the end of the day, she deals with challenges that we deal with where people don't respect her and people cross the line and people test her boundaries and she has to let them know and we have to do the same I think more of us should tell bitches to bow down okay Beyonce in that song in that moment was talking about the very common occurrence when people are confused and they have forgotten who you are and you need to let them know because you can be a feminist and still tell a bitch to bow down 
Okay. Different people, we know this, different people give you different energy and bring different things out of you and you have to respond accordingly. That's what she was doing in that song. So I just wanted to say that, like, I appreciate Beyonce and, and all the things that, that she is doing and what she represents. Um, and I appreciated that song. I think that we should internalize that lesson. I really do. Um, and I know my girlfriend, when she hear this, she going to get on me for going off and talking about Beyonce because she just doesn't feel as strongly. But I honestly, I, I stand by that. I feel like we have to hold up the people who love us back, who love the things that we love about ourselves and who make us better and who challenge us. We have to center the people who make some goddamn sense, honor the people who give a shit about the world beyond their stoop. But also, we do have to tell people off when they are tripping. And I feel like people who are abusive, people who are just all the bad things, like just terrible people. Sometimes they don't learn their lesson. And also everybody doesn't respond to love and encouraging words. There are some people who will literally only respond when you like the, when they go low, we go high. Some people need like a, a high kick or a high slap or an uppercut and not necessarily violence, but you have to use your words sometimes in, in powerful ways to get people together because sometimes people don't learn with encouragement, like I said. And also, you don't have to always be the teacher because people may or may not learn, but it is not your responsibility to let people know what they need to do to be better. If they don't want to be better, they're not going to be better. You will, You need to focus on yourself. And I'm mostly talking to me right now, but I just feel like you should absolutely love and respect people until they show you that they don't deserve that. I think that we should all be compassionate and be kind and be ethical, but also be discerning. Because like I said, not everybody is deserving of the positive energy and the love that you have to offer. Some people will take advantage, disrespect you, and, and they don't deserve your goodness. You have to protect your space. It is absolutely your responsibility to do that. Some energy is so toxic and so negative that it cannot be filtered once it's in your system. That means you need to be like a bouncer at the club and just stop it before it even gets to the point of being internalized. And I feel like with Bow Down Bitch, Beyonce was a bouncer at the club. When she says Bow Down Bitches, I feel like we should think of it as like she's carding you and checking for your credentials. Are you giving me the things that I need from you? Do you respect me? If yes, then you can proceed on these terms. If no, then bitch, you need to bow down and be gone. So yeah, I just feel like everybody does not deserve you and you don't always owe everybody an explanation. And overall, I do appreciate the fact that I read this book. Um, there were some things that I had a problem with, but I, I, I'm glad that I read it. I am. Uh, moving on to the emotionally intelligent word of the day. Honestly, I'm, I'm angry and disappointed at the state of the stinking political mess and disarray. Um, but one thing that I appreciate is that I can own my anger and the fire and choose to direct it and channel it in the ways that I need to do what needs to be done. Um, I think one of the things that I need to work on is 
getting clarity before springing to action so that the anger is challenged, channeled. Um, and Brittany Cooper talks about precision um, in the way that you aim your anger in order for it to be productive. And I agree that I could definitely just be a little bit more precise, kind of chill, hone it, bring it back for a second before I jump in and spring to action. So I want to get into these shout outs. Um, this is the part where I talk about the people who are doing the work, the people who are getting angry and getting active. I want to shout out the people who have moved beyond the whys of history and how we got here today to the so what of tomorrow, to the what now. Um, the people who are rolling up their sleeves and just getting down and dirty. The people who said, we are not supporting characters or spectators. We're the lead. I'm going to center us. Um, yeah, it's about, it's about those people at this point. Um, because honestly, you know, one of the things that I really get annoyed with, <laughs> when people say there are no black this, there are no black that, no black science fiction, no black romance. It's not true. If you feel that there are not examples of art where black people are not framed as supporting characters or spectators, you're not reading the right stuff. You're not looking at the right stuff. So shout out to Bow Down Bitch Beyonce. There's Crystal and Kid Fury, Lena Waithe, Ava DuVernay, Oprah, so many people. I've read so many books this year by authors that I had no idea existed. They have awesome stories. Shout out to Brittany Cooper. She has something called the Crunk Feminist, the Crunk, excuse me, the Crunk Feminist Collective. And you can find it at the crunkfeministcollective.com, but it's a blog, a forum, and community for women of color who came of age in the hip-hop generation. And it's a space of support and camaraderie. So check it out to see more about what goes on there. Shout out to the women that I'm choosing to call my anger angels in this episode. These are furious feminists who get mad and in doing so get us all together. That's Maxine reclaiming my time waters. Iyanla, not on my watch, Van Zant. Shout out to Sister Outsider Poetry. That duo was awesome. Denise Froman and Dominique Christina. Again, Dominique Christina is the poet whose poem Karma you heard at the top of this episode. Also, shout out to CategorizedTweets.com. I've been talking about this website for so long, but it was really helpful to me. I feel like Diana is a genius. I really appreciate the fact that she created this, conceived of this, executed this, promoted this, shared this. Like, awesome. It really categorizedtweets.com helped me work out some of my voters' anxiety. I had never voted in a midterm election prior to this year. Um, so I really didn't know what to expect. When I got to the polls, it was a lot more daunting than I expected. I was not <laughs> entirely prepared, to be honest. But categorizedtweets.com did help me do some really important research um, and getting to know some of the candidates to make informed choices. So shout out to Diana. Shout out to the people who center people of color and women of color in their stories. All the authors, directives, creators, entrepreneurs, politicians, anyone else making this world better, safer, and more whole. 
by building worlds that reflect the beauty and brazenness of us. Those stories do exist. Okay. Anyone who says different, they don't read and they don't listen. They're not, like I said, they're not watching the right stuff. Um, I just want to leave you with these final words from Brittany Cooper from her final chapter in the book called Joy. She says, may you have joy. May you have gut busting belly laughter every day. May you ask more and better questions. May your rage be a force for good. What you build is infinitely more important than what you tear down. When the struggle feels unwinnable, may you never forget this one thing. We got this. You got this. So shout out again to Brittany Cooper. That concludes this week's episode. Um, hit me up on Twitter at Bantu Book Review. Let me know what you think. Give me your own rants and random musings. Tell me what you got going on. Tell me what's on your bookshelf. And I will be back real soon. This episode is late. So the next one is, is coming right back at you in a couple days. Thanks for listening.